Welcome to the Real Muscle Talk podcast. Thank you for listening so far and showing your support. Join me each week as I continue to dig deep into the BS of the fitness industry and go deeper than your average fitness podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of the Real Muscle Talk podcast. Uh, today I am joined by yoga instructor, um, I'm gonna, he's going to get annoyed at me because I'm going to forget some of his stuff. He's, <laughs> he's focused on meditation, on um, yoga, I've already said yoga before, meditation, um, stress, just general well-being. Um, he's a very knowledgeable person. Um, I've known him for quite a while now and I'm delighted to have him on. Please welcome Howard Napper. Howard, how are you doing today? I'm good, thanks James. It's good to be with you. Good, good to have you. Um, I mean, obviously you're one of the people I wanted to really get on my podcast uh, quite early on. Um, the reason being, really, I mean, just tell everyone about yourself. Um, tell everyone about you. Obviously, I gave you a bit of a lame kind of introduction there. Right, yeah, well, yeah, probably, I, probably, I won't do much better myself. I never really know what it is that I do. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of it comes from my own experiences and my own struggles with kind of physical, mental health. And, um, you know, I came out of it, just to give you a little bit of background, I came out of film and television. Um, I was working in film and television and kind of really got burned out on the work, uh, drugs, alcohol, everything. And, you know, I was, I was 32 years old and I was kind of having real breakdowns and, um, you know, kind of really dark periods, struggling mentally, you know, and to, to a point where I, I you know, I was, I was ready to end it. I was quite, you know, at that point. But it's an interesting place to be because... I think when you get down that low, you've only got really one place to go and that's up, you know, and I'm, I was able to turn a corner. So a lot of it started with the yoga and that's how I got into yoga. Literally, I mean, it, it sounds a bit corny to say it saved my life, but in many ways, I think it did. Um, I was physical, I, 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 was, I used to be a swimmer. So I was into a lot of physical stuff, got into yoga. My, genetically, I'm very open in, the, in a lot of my joints. So I found it very easy, you know, and it kind of was like, you know, I'm in a, in, a, in a room, to be honest, I was in a room full of women and I'm doing all this stuff and I'm thinking, hey, this is a great place to hang out. So it was quite superficial how I got, got into it to begin with. And um, anyway, that took me off to, to India and I started studying more there and then getting into the meditation and, and really turned my life around completely and realized that, um, that I really enjoyed not only doing it for myself, but also passing on knowledge, knowledge to other people. So that's why it all ended up becoming so broad because I felt there's this, this thing that just opened up um, well-being. I don't know what you want to call it, you know, this whole, this whole concept. And, you know, I'm going back now 25, 30 years. So it, at that time, it was something so new and exciting. Now it's something we all talk about, right? But then it was, wasn't something people really talked about. It was a bit too hippy-dippy, you know, woo-woo. And I, and I didn't want to make it that. I, wanted to, I knew it was going to become more science-based. And there was all of this evidence coming out. So I, I was really excited by that. And I kind of wanted to share what I was learning and have my experiences and, and keeping it real in that sense, because I think it's very easy to, to start teaching when you have no experience of, of certain things that I'd gone through. Yeah. So I, I felt with my experience, I could, I could put my, my experiences to, to good use. So that's kind of, I don't know if that's any clearer of what I do, but that's kind of how I got. I'm fascinated got. to know a bit more about that. I mean, obviously you mentioned you had that break i mean obviously now you know you look like you're very healthy you're i mean i, I, I thought you looked younger than you said you were so i'm, I'm not gonna say your age on on, on the air uh, 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm 61 now, and, and yeah, you know, crazy. if you see what Howard looks like, he definitely isn't at 61. And yeah. you know, going to that that time, you said you're 32. Yeah, it must have been a tricky time because you know, obviously, if you mentioned about now, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that age, you know, that you know, especially at the moment with you know lockdown and coronavirus, yeah. what it is, a lot of people are starting to really struggle mentally. Yeah. And at that time, obviously, 25 to 30 years ago, mental health was seen very much as a kind of weakness in a lot, especially a lot. You know, with yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. No, it, it's an interesting, it's an interesting age because you know you get this point where the body and the mind is still growing up until around 28. You know, you're still, you're, you're still, the cells are reproducing more than they're breaking down. And then after about 28, then senescence comes in. So the body starts to change into a gear, which is really basically where it starts to degenerate. I mean, still not at 32, you're not degenerating in the way that you're doing when you're a lot older, but you're, you're not building up as, as much as you're breaking down. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. So, so, you know, it's very easy when you're young and you're training hard and the body's still very kind of resilient and can really bounce back. You can, you can go out heavy drinking, wake up the next day, go to the gym and start training. And, and there's not much consequence of that because you're, in, you're still in this kind of build-up mode. You know, anything you do, the body can kind of handle. Then all of a sudden, when you start getting into your 30s, it, it shifts and it changes. You know, things start to change. You're like, whoa, okay, and not only physically, but also mentally, socially. You know, I always say, you know, what you wanted when you were 14 isn't what you wanted when you're 21. Yeah. You know, and what you want when you're 31 isn't what you wanted when you were 24. And what you wanted when you were 41 isn't what you wanted when you were 34. You know, you go through these, you go through all these changes. And that's this kind of this, this thing. We, we realize it when we're teenagers that we go through change. You're going through these changes the whole time in life. So I was going through one of these changes and um, I wasn't prepared for it, basically. You know, I was kind of ignoring a lot of the stuff in my life, just kind of going out, having fun. You know, as I said, taking a lot of drugs, drinking heavily, you know, staying up all night, and it got to the point where I snapped. I mean, it was really that, 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 it was pretty much like that, you know, and um, it's, it's, it's a tricky time, and, and I, and, it, you know, there are many tricky times in our life, but I, I do feel, particularly through lockdown, for people, you know, I've got kids now, and in their teenage kids, and, and, you know, it's really challenging for them, and I, I would hate to be 28 right now, I'd hate to be 30 right now, it's, you know, it, it's just, it's a, it's a really challenging time. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, any, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, the, um, I think the thing is now is, you know, people of that age, you know, we're discussing it quickly before we started, you know, it's social media is such a big thing these days. And, yeah. You know, you've got these influence out that people out there, you've got, you know, people who, you know, from my background, especially, you know, you've got, bodybuilders you got people who are promoting a certain image yeah and it is very challenging to people and i completely understand yeah. why people you know get so overwhelmed by it all yeah i mean you, you obviously come from a place I mean, you mentioned when you were 32 which you know but you know that wasn't so much a big thing with the social media so what was it no, kind of, yeah what was it that kind of helped you make that change that kind of made yeah it no it's amazing i mean you 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 went right in on it i mean I, i'm a huge um believer that social media is 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 not that great for us 
you know, uh, I, and, you know, there are some good aspects of it, but I can't see too many good aspects, to be honest, and I see a lot of damaging aspects. Subsequently, I don't do any of it. I mean, look, I'm old, right? I'm kind of old school. And that it's easy for me, you know, to not be involved with it. And I can understand why people feel they have to, but I just try and avoid it. And I just feel I'm so much better off for it. There were certain things around. I mean, there was still, it was, uh, it was the eighties. It was kind of, you know, there was a lot of pressure on us as far as, you know, just, you know, just normal stuff, but not to the extent that is, there is right now. Um, so I feel that, um, Having to, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, anybody who wants to go on social media, you can obviously do what you like, but I do think that I have, well, I have worked in the past with people with detoxing off social media as well. And I think that that can be quite, quite useful and even starting to even think about that. I mean, it's addictive. Yeah, 100%. I was just about to say that is an addiction. I mean, the whole yeah. thing around followers and then there's a the thing about, you know, yeah. the thing I'm, I'm learning recently, and I, I obviously use social media quite a lot for my business, and I've just realized I get so much more satisfaction by, by posting stuff that I actually believe in rather yeah. than trying to post stuff that, you know, trying to please people essentially, trying to put things out there that people react to and people would like. Yeah. To, I'm going to put stuff out. If people like it, they like it, great. And if they don't like it, then... I'm yeah, out to please, you know, and I think that's what I want to kind of. It's great to do that though, you know, because it's very easy to kind of get really hooked into it. As yeah. I said, you know, when you're looking at it, because we have this thing called a novelty bias, so you know we're drawn towards certain things that if there's new, so when there's something new in there, and I'm going to be kind of drawn to it the whole time. I want to check out, see if something's happened, see what's going on, you know, and I'm drawn to a lot of that. So I get addicted to that. It releases hormones within my body that are the same as releasing hormones when I'm taking drugs, yeah. right? So, um, you know, it's very easy to get hooked in, but if you're supplying content, then you want that validation as well. It's like, well, you know, why haven't I got those followers? Yeah. You know, why, you know, I want those followers and then maybe I can monetize it and then maybe I can, you know, that, that will be my answer. And then all of a sudden I'm kind of, I'm, I'm a big influencer and I'm making money and then that's, that's good. Well, maybe. Yeah. But, you know, I don't like that term influencer. So I think most people that are influencers and I put that in brackets, influencers aren't yeah. people that should be influencing because, you know, some of them have been on, you know, like Love Island and, you know, it's just, it, yeah. just for me, it's just such a, a shallow, narcissistic society sometimes. So, I mean, that's why I don't like social media. And I'm sure that's pretty one of the reasons you're not doing it. And what I don't like about it is obviously people will look at them and think, oh, I want to be like that. I want to be like on Love Island. I want to be this famous. I want to have my own clothing brand. And they kind of forget what they actually want out of life because they've been completely yeah. sucked into other people's values and what other people are doing. It's like, well, you know, you don't have to do that. Like, you know, you can have your own life and enjoy your own life doing what you want to do, not doing what some person who went on Love Island did, you know. It's just, and that's yeah. kind of where I, you know, that's what I say a lot, a lot. And I'm not disliking those people. I'm not hating on those people at all. Like, it's their life. It's their choice. But, you know, when it's becoming um, a thing now where people are more impressed by the bloke who won Love Island compared to, I mean, I guarantee I said this quote the other day, and I'd be interested in your intake on this, is... I guarantee the person, hopefully the next 10, 15 years, I don't know how long, you know, finds the cure for cancer. I guarantee you he'll get less recognition than someone that's just won Love Island. Yeah, no, exactly. And, you know, and as I said before, I was in film and television before I got into doing all the stuff. I know what goes on to produce whatever it is, whether it's a, a model, 
or, or you know, a celebrity on that level. It's so manufactured. Yeah. And it, it's designed to make it look like, oh, this person just hanging out, you know, this is their life. But everything is structured and scripted and makeup and, and you know, post-production and so on to make this person look like that they've got something going on. And it's all so superficial. Yeah, and, and those then, people aren't happy. I mean, this is the thing people don't realise. The reason why I'm saying this is because you're probably looking at a person, oh, he's got a great life, he's got this and that, but he's probably in a real, like, he could be in a really bad place. Like, he's just basically posting a one-minute video on his Instagram every day. You're not getting the full story. You're only getting, like, what, 0.1% of his whole life and, you know, that. Well, this yeah, this, is, this is the thing. I mean, you, you know, you, you hit on another good point there. I think that, you know, when we, when we feel that we're, we've, I talk about it kind of climbing a ladder to success and realizing that the ladder's on the wrong wall. You know, yeah. in that position, when you've got all that success and you're still not happy because it's not, it's not necessarily gonna make you happy. It's, a, it's really shocking because you think, right, I've got everything I've worked towards. I've got the stardom, I've got the notoriety, I've got the followers, I've got this, and I'm still not happy. So where do you go? Yeah. You know, that's the shocker. You know, well, you can um, footballers. I mean, you could footballers, for example. And I, you know, for, for me, for example, obviously, I think my most, you know, people at my age, you know, wanted to be a footballer you know, growing up, people that like yeah. that is. And, you know, you look at them and you think, how, the, how are some of these people unhappy? You know, they've got everything, you know, they're doing something they love, they're getting paid for it. You yeah. think, how are they unhappy? But they are, because, you know, we don't know what they're going for. You know, we don't know, you know, that person, because I mean, when footballers say about, oh, I want to earn more money, I want to sign a new contract to get more money. You think that's madness. Like they're getting paid like 100 grand away. How much more can you want? But when yeah. they're in that circle where they've got someone that's probably like, you know, not as good as them and they're getting paid 150 grand a week, they're going to be thinking, well, hang on a minute, what's going on here? Why is he getting that much and I'm only getting 100 grand? It's, it's a crazy world. It's a completely different world, but... This is this is the thing, you know. It 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 brings up a good question about you know what is happiness and what's going to make us happy, you know. And there's that old saying is you know money's not necessarily going to make you happy. I mean it can do, but I think give you you freedom. I think give you freedom. But yeah, I'm starting to really change my perception on that. That's quite a big thing for me actually because I was always someone that you know was I want to earn this much money. I'll do what I can to earn this much money. Yeah, and. I just realized that, you know, I mean, I, I speak to loads of people now and they all say one thing. I mean, I, I was speaking to someone yesterday and he was in a job where it was, you know, very corporate and he was earning around about 180 grand a year, he was telling me. And he's now doing what I do. So now he's now an online coach because he wanted to get into that. Yeah. And he's not earning as much as he was then. He's not earning nowhere near that much. You know, he was, he was happy to tell me this, but he said he's so much more happier now yeah. than what he was when he was doing that job. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's for me going from, from film and television to doing what I was doing. And, and I think an element of that, there's two things that I think are really important when it comes to happiness. Uh, one is expectations. So, you know, um, no matter where you are on the ladder, there's always an expectation that you should be perhaps doing more. So if you're not, you're not Lionel Messi or Ronaldo or, you know, as a footballer, yeah. <laughs> You know, there's always that, that pressure to, to kind of think your life should be something more. And if you're not hitting expectations, that's really tough. So, yeah. but if you were, if your expectations were lower and I, and that's always really tough for people to kind of get their head around. It doesn't mean that you're not ambitious or you can't, can't create a life for yourself. But when you bring your expectations down, that's a way of managing almost the, the happiness levels of your life. I mean, we, we all expect so much from our life right now. And if we're not hitting those expectations, then that's a real problem. Yeah, I mean, that's where I think a lot of 
you know, depression and, you know, anxiety to a certain extent really stems from. Because, I mean, people, as you said, they have that expectation of other people. And, you know, the thing I'm really like, you know, I really kind of promote in terms of my coaching is, you know, don't compare yourself to other people and run your own race at the end of the day. Like you, you can look at people, you can sit there one day. And I can, you know, for me, for example, I'm 30 now. I can look at so many people and say, oh, well, this person's got this, this person's got that, this person, you know, it's, it becomes such a, almost addictive, you know, to go back to what we were saying before, it becomes an addictive kind of habit and you're never going to be happy doing that. You're never going to be satisfied well, with any expectations. I mean, you, you know, that's the thing. And a lot of those expectations, as we said, are manufactured. Yeah. They're not yeah. real. You know, nobody posts, nobody posts a picture when they're having a bad hair day mm. <laughs> or when they're feeling like shit or they're depressed. You don't post pictures then. You post pictures when you're, you know, I'm on, I'm on the holiday, my holiday in wherever. You know, you know what I mean. You, that's when you post. So the expectations and what you think is normality is just so high and it's ridiculous. Yeah. Social media, like social media is it can be such a dangerous, you know, place in, in many ways because people will look at that. And I've, I've had, I've had clients um, and I've been doing it myself. You know, I'll look at someone, you know, in my kind of, around the time I knew you actually, when I first met you, you know, I would do things like I'd look at people on social media that have, you know, this fantastic physique and they're generally, you know, posting a, a quote from probably they got it on the back of the back of a you know a cereal packet or something. Exactly. <laughs> They're putting this picture of themselves, and you know you you can't help some sort of look at oh my god look at that physique or you know you almost have that mentality. What am I bothering? <laughs> because you're looking at these people thinking, oh look at that. And, and, that makes, and the, the the downside of that is that makes you feel less than. Yeah. You know, and so that's that's the thing you know, and particularly. Um, you know, it's interesting when we're talking about the different levels of, of through our life and, and how we change. Um, midlife crisis is a, is a real process of, of navigating through those changes. If you can't navigate through those changes, there's this sense of having a midlife crisis. But now there's this concept of a quarter life crisis. Mm. Quarter life crisis is when you're in your 20s. And you, you, you're struggling with those issues. So it's very, very common that young people now are having midlife crises at a very, very early age. And this is, this is part, part of it. And, you know, we, we, we'll talk about all this and people will be nodding along going, yeah, yeah, no, that, yeah, no, I've got, I've, I've, but then we go out and do it. That's the yeah. craziness of it. Don't take action. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, this is, um... that's why it's almost needs like a detox. It almost needs that detox approach yeah. because in the same way you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't give, give an alcoholic a glass of wine and go, oh, hey, you know, have, have a glass of wine. Why not? You know, you just have one tomorrow and then tomorrow you don't need to have one. It's like, no, you don't do that. Yeah. You, you can't give the alcoholic a glass of wine. It just doesn't, it doesn't work. You, 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 you've got to have a structured approach to getting off something. I personally, if it's me, I would need a structured approach to get off that because I'd agree with everything. That, that it does to me but then still go out and do it yeah i mean what would you say just to kind of give people a bit people that are kind of obviously as you said nodding along what would you say would be the best approach to have to kind of get them to not obviously come off completely but to start obviously not getting to be sucked into that well i think you know we're, we're, yeah it's a great question and, and obviously everybody's different but it, it's again it's almost going back to kind of the concept of addiction and i didn't go through aa but um you know, with through AA for kind of a, a rehab program, that you start off by acknowledging that you've got a problem. 
that's the first step. You're yeah. right. I've got, I've got a problem, and I've got, and I'm almost like the, and and when you're almost hitting rock bottom, it's almost when you when it's getting getting a grip of you and affecting you so much, and your anxiety and and your stress and your self esteem is so low, and you you realize that you're just kind of in this rabbit hole of just kind of like you say, just looking at images of people where you think that your life should be like that and you know that's making you really unhappy that's that's the point where you say i've got to do something about this yeah um how you structure it going around that after that is is very you know it, as i said it's very different from for most people but you know again it it's like that glass of wine or that if i'm trying to give up cigarettes do i cut it down do i go from which I used to smoke cigarettes. I used to smoke 40, 50 cigarettes a day. Did I have to cut it down to 20 cigarettes a day then down to 10 cigarettes a day and then down to five? Maybe that didn't work for me. I had to stop. Yeah. I had yeah. to stop cold turkey, you know, and it was painful. And, you know, after a little while, I realized I was like, whoa, yeah, wow, I can breathe now. Mm. I'm feeling very, very different. I mean, literally with cigarettes, it's like, yeah, you can, you know, you can breathe. Your body must feel, I mean, this is the thing, people, it's the same with people who have a really bad diet. To link it back to obviously health and fitness, it's, you know, yeah. people that have a bad diet, they're so used to having a bad diet, they don't think they need to change because they don't, they don't know what, you know, they don't know what the problem is. They're like, you know, they might, they might wake up and they get to like 30 stone, for example, and then they think, Jesus, I need to sort myself out. And I yeah. think we all have that kind of, natural limit to where we get to like where we go you know oh hold up a minute i need to you know sort myself out again i'm kind of getting back into that bad habits then you pull yourself back it's almost the same with that i mean i think the one thing that i always say you know obviously not going too much into terms of addiction but i think one thing i mean i've read this book um i'm sure you've probably read it out it's um the subtle art of not giving a you know f-u-c-k and um i read that book and it was so fantastic because it just made me think what this is me like i give so many i don't want to swear you know i want to keep it yeah, pg yeah. i give so you know much attention to things that have no like relevance to me have no impact on my life they're out of my control and yeah. i literally spend so much energy on these things like worrying about you know where, where we're um you know where we're working how there was a few people there that used to really get on my nerves used to say things that used to really irritate me yeah but the mistake i made was letting it get to me letting it affect my energy because you know, a lot of that came from them being not so sure about themselves. A lot of that came from them being quite insecure in what they're doing and, you know, how they are. But the worst thing you can do in that situation is let that get you, like, let it affect you. Like, you know, it's just, yeah. and this is the thing about social media. The reason why I'm saying this is linking back to that social media point. Like, you can even look at that person on the beach and think, oh, you know, he's got such a great life. My life's crap in comparison. Or you can think, you know what, that's his life. I'm in control of my life. I'm going to make the best of my situation at the moment. You know, there's yeah, two yeah. ways of looking at it. And if you go down that first route I mentioned, then of course you can be unhappy because you're comparing yourself that, that, that exact moment. And it's like, what's the point? You know, what is the point in, you know, spending your energy thinking, oh my God, like what you haven't got, why not, why not focus on what you have got? You know, what, what have you got that's going for you? And then work on that and obviously work on your weaknesses, but there's no point dwelling on what you haven't got, if that makes sense. It's interesting, social media is so new, really, you know, as a concept, it's only been around, I don't know, 20 years. Well, I think 2013, we were saying, I don't know if, <laughs> so I, we had this chat, I had this chat with my friend the other day, and we had a holiday in 2013, in, um, we went to Tenerife. Yeah. 
And it was a fantastic holiday, like literally brilliant. And, you know, there was about 10 of us there and we just lived in the moment. You know, we went on some really great nights out. We, you know, the, during the day was fantastic. And obviously the sunshine always helps. Yeah. And I said to my mate, so what was so different about that time? It's only seven years ago. It's not as if it's like, you know, the 1990s, whatever. Right. And he said, I think after that, I think 2013 onwards, there was like a real like change in terms of Instagram. Yeah. You know, people started to kind of show off a bit more. People started to come a bit more like narcissist, you know, with a narcissist and people more shallow. And I was like, that's actually really true. And a lot of people I speak to always say 2013. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if you feel, you know, noticed that, but yeah. You've given, a, given it a date. I wasn't quite sure when it really kicked in because I, I, I mean, I was aware of it and I wasn't doing it. So, yeah. You know, but what I, my point was going to be that I think in maybe, so what's that? Seven, ten. Or oh, seven years, years ago, yeah. Nine years ago, right? So I, I think in 10 years time, for example, I think we'll look back at social media in a very, very different way. I think we'll still be using it. I don't think we'll, we'll drop it. And obviously there are good, but I think that there will be a real different a, a mindset around social media. And, and you know, the, the, the dangers of social media in the same way that people smoke cigarettes. I mean, when I was younger, people smoked cigarettes and they thought it was the coolest thing in the world and there was no problem. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You don't have that that mindset towards cigarettes anymore, you know. So, and I think in many ways we'll look back and with social media in a very very different way. Yeah, I think so. I, I hope so in many respects. I do think it is, and as much as I, I'm active on social media, I do use it. Obviously, my business is very much generated online, so I kind of feel the need to to have to be on social media to get that awareness. Yeah. But you know, in many ways, I kind of feel like you know, especially as well because you can get it on your phone, you can get it on your laptop, you can get it on your iPad. And, you know, a lot of people I speak to, you know, someone I actually um, train, he's younger than me, he's 27 or 28. And he always says, he, I said to him, oh, are you not on social media, Harry? And then I just gave away his name then. He'll know it's not talking about him. Um, and he was like, no, I've never been on it. And the reason why is because it just got on my nerves. Yeah. And I was just yeah. like, you know what? It's, <laughs> I admire people like that. Joe, you know why I admire people? I hear that. That to me is like a breath of breath of fresh yeah. air. I really, I'm thinking right. There's a generation that might come up behind this generation's social media, thinking like, you know what? That maybe there's maybe there's there is. You know, look, my generation survived without social media. We survived without phones. Yeah, it was in many ways it was blissful. Yeah, but I, mean, I don't want to sound like some old geezer, but you know. <laughs> I kind of long for those days where I don't have to answer an email or, or pick up the phone, you know, carry a phone around with me. Yeah. Fantastic. It's going to make my life so much easier. Yeah. Email is going to make my life easy. Are you kidding me? Email? <laughs> <laughs> you, know what you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, I think there is, a, will be a generation that will come along. Um, I wanted to just, before we got too far off that topic of just about happiness, and, and obviously we're talking about that element of expectations around social media and, and the pressure that it puts on it. But the other thing that you talked about, which was really, I think, important, is a fulfillment by helping others, mm. you know? And, I, and without sounding too kind of, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know, it's important for us to help other people. Yeah. And that's where so many people really miss the key to happiness is putting yourself out to help other people. And like the guy who was, I don't know, maybe he was working in finance or whatever he was working in, 
you know, it's a very much a kind of about me, 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 me. And that's mm. not necessarily going to make you happy. But he's quit that and he's do doing something else. And now he's doing what you're saying. He was doing life coaching or PT or whatever it was he was doing. Yeah. Now he's out helping other people. And the fulfillment in that, it can't be underestimated. It's oh. so powerful. Well, that's what it's all about, fulfillment. I think that's a word we don't, you know, we don't really speak about often. Like, you know, it's all good having a job that, you know, pays your mortgage, gets you money, you know, gives you the freedom. But if you're doing something you hate, you know, for 20, 25 to 30 years, and you, you, you know, there is that mentality a little bit where, yeah, but it's what you have to do. You got, I mean, my kind of, you know, growing up, I had that quite a lot. It's like, yeah, you don't, it's just about getting the money in. You just got to do what you have to do type thing. Yeah. And I just don't, I've never, I've never been too receptive to that because the way I look at it is, you know, I mean, I'm still open to the idea of an afterlife and, you know, I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm agnostic basically, but, you know, we, as far as I'm aware, we've only got one life. Yeah. If you're spending all your time doing things you hate just because yeah. you have to do it, then I just don't really, I've never been a big fan of that. And I just feel, you know, if, you, if there's someone out there that's got a talent in something, then definitely pursue it. Like, yeah, you might, it might not kind of happen to have what you want it to happen, but you're always going to have that regret and you're always going to have that, oh, why didn't I do that for myself? Why did I just get into a job? And people yeah. do this. People do jobs for 20 odd years. Like, you know, what you were saying, Howard, you know, you came out of that and you did what you wanted to do. And I'm sure you've never regretted a single moment, you know? Absolutely not. It's, it's interesting because when you, when you do surveys of people of what makes them, you know, what makes them stay in a job or what, what are the things that they value within the job, money isn't the highest. Mm. The highest normally is job satisfaction. Yeah. And that's almost, again, it's like, where can I fit in and help? Where, how can I be part of this community? where I'm giving to and I get a satisfaction out of being part of a team, mm. you know? And then also the social aspects of, of that, you know? I like being at work because, you know, I get, I get to meet people and get to, you know, you know, think of all the relationships, you know, the marriages that have come out of, of the workplace. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, you meet people and you meet maybe even your spouse. I mean, that, is that important? Yeah, hell, hell it's important. You know, but then money comes a little bit further down. Money's in there. I'm not saying it's not important, yeah. but you know, it's not it's not the most important thing when you when you when you survey people and ask them why they why they, you know why they do what they do and what if they're happy in what they're doing. Yeah, so very true. Important to un, to understand that, you know. Right, we are going to go to the next topic. We have kind of uh, <laughs> we've gone okay. a long time, but it's a very interesting subject. And I think a lot of people get such great value from that because. You know, it's one of those things that isn't talked about enough. And, you know, going on to my next point. So can I just say why it's not talked about? Because nobody really understands it. Why? Yeah, very true. How can we how can we talk about it when I mean, if you think about how many people are out there that, you know, that are really happy. Mm. So no wonder we don't talk about it that much. We just assume. Anyway, yeah. let's, gonna, let's move on to the next. <laughs> we could go on to another bit there. I'm not um, saying I've got the answer either, but you know, it's, an <laughs> it's an interesting topic. Well, I, I definitely think we've helped with that. I mean, I definitely like talking about um, social media, especially with, you know, the generation coming up because, you know, I yeah. was that person. I did used to get so sucked into it and yeah. unhappy and, you know, it's not good. It really isn't good. And I, I really want to change that. And that's kind of where my whole message comes, like stems from, to be honest, is people get so like um, brainwashed by, you know, the different theories, the different methods. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you've got to find something that works for you at the end of the day. Like the best diet the best training plan the best routine is the one that works for you Absolutely. but you know if you're trying to do something that 
some bodybuilder's given you and he's probably not even, he's probably typed up in about five minutes. He's just sent it to you. It's like, you know, you're not going to get any fulfillment out of that, you know? So, but anyway, to the topic. So one thing we want to talk about today with you, Harold, is, you know, something that we initially actually spoke about when we first met and that was about, you know, longevity. So when you're training, when you're exercising, is yeah. doing it from more of a consistency point of view rather than just kind of trying to like rush everything, trying to lift so much weight, you know, yeah. it is all about that consistency at the end of the day. So yeah, let's talk about that. So what, what was your kind of, when did you start kind of gaining that belief and that kind of um, idea about consistency? Okay, so um, yeah, I mean, let's, let's break this down a little bit. Um, when I think, when we're talking about something like consistency or, or longevity, it's really um, goes back to what I was talking about a bit earlier on about breakdown and build up. Mm. We're either in a catabolic state or an anabolic state. Catabolism is, is breakdown, anabolism is build up. Yeah. And when we're young, we're very, we're very, um, there's a lot of anabolism. So we're building up constantly, not so much breakdown. So as we train and as we progress through our lives, it's almost balancing that, 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 that whole thing between breakdown and build up. Breakdown is important. I mean, the body's breaking down the whole time anyway. And you know, every cell in the body is breaking down and rebuilding. And over about seven years, they say, almost every single cell in the body has completely broken down and rebuilt again in the same shape, of course, right? So understanding that is really important. So the, 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 the strain or the pressure that you put on your body, particularly in something, let's, 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 say, let's say physical stuff. Let's, let's work on a physical level to begin with. So for example, if I'm working on my bicep and I want to build up my bicep, lifting up a weight does not build my bicep. It breaks it down. Yeah. Right? So just lifting a weight does not build my bicep. It does exactly the opposite to what I think it is. It's breaking it down. Yeah. Exactly. So what so what builds it up? Rest and restoration builds it up. Right? That's what, so it's the process of breaking down and building up. So once you get into the understanding it's a rest and restoration, you think, right, okay, well, that's the key. Mm. You know, the nutrients I'm putting into my body, the rest that I'm getting and allowing the body to adapt because over, over our evolution, it's been, there's that old saying, it's, that that doesn't kill me makes me stronger, right? So what happens is that we're, we're challenged and we adapt to our environment. And if we're not challenged, we don't grow. So we need the challenge. Yeah. Right? I, need to be, I need to be picking up that weight. I can't grow my, I can't grow it just with, with rest and restoration. I've got to pick up that weight. I've got to challenge that muscle. Yeah. And that it's will break down. Like, yeah. I mean, if, if, that's, if that's the only thing that I think that's building up the muscle, then I'm not going to, I'm going to overtrain that muscle. Yeah. And I'm going to plateau. And I'm going to wonder why I'm not getting any bigger or any stronger or any faster or any whatever it is that I'm trying to work towards. So for me, the big light bulb moment was like, wow, okay, rest and restoration? Who's talking about that? Yeah. Right? Well, it's, it's, you know? it's essentially because it's a bit of a, you know, it's kind of a boring thing to talk about. And I'm not saying oh, that it's not important. It's definitely it, yeah. important. But when you say well, to someone... Hang, when, hang on, let me stop you there. Yeah, at 25, <laughs> it is. <laughs> Right. And again, I mean, the reason why I'm, I'm saying that, you know, if you're, you know, when I was 21, 22, you know, you know going probably into my mid-20s, into, even into my late 20s, 
I was burning myself out. Yeah. And the reason I was burning myself out is because I had that mentality. I was like, oh, I'm young. I can get rave. I can do it. But yeah. during that time, it was like, I didn't need to do that half the stuff I did back then. You know, I didn't need to like, you know, force myself to get up every morning, run and train every day when even when I didn't really feel like it, when I was like, my body was literally craving, you know, just rest. And yeah. a lot of people make the mistake. Again, I don't want to kind of keep blaming social media, but they probably look at these people, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger of the world, who come out and say, oh, I used to train five hours a day and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. A, Arnold Schwarzenegger was, you know, you know, fair play to him. He was fantastic what he did. However, he was on steroids. You know what I mean? That, that's what allowed him to do that. You know, if you're yeah, a natural well, person. I think in the bodybuilding terms is, is quite unique. I mean. Yeah, you know, very unique. Very uh, unique. And, you know, even people that do take steroids aren't going to necessarily look like that because, you know, yeah. he's got his own yeah. body type. But I think it's just one of those things it's just so in it's so important that people just don't like you know again like we've kind of said about this today already is people don't like talking about it because part of it's they don't want to and it just doesn't sound cool and i think a lot of the fitness industry is very much about fashion yeah you know, no you're absolutely right there's always it is very much because you can guarantee if you look back over your period of working with the fitness industry and if i look back over my period of working every six months there's something new yeah is it better maybe i don't know but it's new so yeah. there is passion with it there's it's spinning one week and it's yoga the next and whatever whatever it is you know it's all this stuff that comes along so it is always fashion fashion led the interesting thing is when you look at top athletes not people not influencers but when you look at top athletes what are they doing yeah they're all working with rest and restoration yeah spot on to the point where you know one of my favorite quotes was there was um, Roger Federer was asked, he was arguably one of the greatest tennis players of all time, if not one of the greatest athletes of all time. And he was asked, you know, before a big match, do you get much, do you lose much sleep? And he said, yeah, he said, I might only sleep about 10 hours instead of 12 hours a night. A lot of sleep. <laughs> and you're thinking, that's a lot of sleep. <laughs> but you know, as a tennis player, what's he doing? Every other day, he's playing a match. Yeah, needs his recovery. Yeah, and then, and so if you're training on that level, if you're pushing yourself that much, how much rest and restoration are you getting? Mm. And then if you flip that, if you think right, okay, if I want to push myself that much, this is what my foundation should be, because whether it's work or play, whether I'm out partying or whether I'm training or whatever it is, unless you've got that, you're going to have breakdown. Yeah, I mean, it's funny you say that because I think unsustainable you cannot sustain partying training stress basically physiological physiological stress on your body you cannot sustain it without the rest and restoration yeah yeah it's i mean this is the thing that is becoming the new term now i think you know i think it's anti josh i think said it a boxer was doing it prior to so obviously with boxing very similar you know in terms of their work ethic they're doing a lot of training they're putting their body through hell and I can't, it was Anthony Josh that came out and said it. And, you know, with the whole boxing thing, and you look at the Rocky films, for example, I know that's just a film, but yeah, all his films, he kind of promotes this, oh, you're up early, you're up at like five in the morning. I mean, it, with his case, he like puts like loads of eggs, you know, he like drinks eggs. Yeah. Yeah, probably yeah, the most. Yeah. But anyway, he gets up early, goes for a run. And a lot of boxers obviously look at that and they took that, you know, oh, you need to be up early, you need to do this, you need to do that. And I think Anthony Joshua said, I'm sure it was Anthony Joshua, I'll double check on that. And he came out and said, I don't, I wake up when my body is ready. Yeah. So I go to bed and I wake up when I'm ready to wake up. Because yeah. sometimes with an alarm, 
you know, say if you're only getting five hours sleep, you're only waking up because that alarm's getting you to wake up. You're not fully re- restored. You're not fully like recovered or rested. Yeah. And yeah. this is why I'm not too keen on the whole 4am club and all that kind of stuff. Because look, if you're going to bed at seven o'clock in the evening, great, fine. I would always say like, how is that? How you find that as part of your lifestyle? Because, you know, if you've got like a family, if you've got kids and you're just going off to bed at seven o'clock, then you're not really seeing much of your family. But in terms of, you know, what time you're actually going to bed, if you're going up at four in the morning and you're going to bed at 11, that's only five hours sleep. Like over yeah. a period of time, you can tell yourself that your body's, you know, adapted to that and adjusted to it. But 10 years down the line, you know, all, all that lack of rest and recovery, it's, gonna, it's, it's gonna... not sustainable. It's not sustainable. And unfortunately, there's almost a rock star kind of, you know, in work as well, in, in the business world, you know, when people are like, oh, I only survive on four hours. Margaret Thatcher was like, I only survive on four hours sleep. It's rubbish. Yeah. Nobody survives on. I don't care who you are. You do not survive on four or five hours sleep. It's unsustainable. You might do for a while, but you'll break down at some point. I mean, so the interesting, the interesting thing about sorry, is it? In, I mean, this is the thing that I get a lot. Not just with, with sleep, but the other thing I get is, you know, oh yeah, I can do it. I can survive it. You know, I had someone actually where we worked. He kept saying to me about doing this chicken and broccoli diet, and I used to say to him, "Why are you doing that?" And he said, oh, I can do it. I can do it. You know, I'm fine with it. But no one's forcing you to do this. You're choosing to do this because you think it's getting you results. You're not. Yeah. Just on the, diet, on the diet thing, I guarantee you, take any, almost any diet. Yeah. Do it for a while, it will work. It will initially work. And then after, but after a while, then see what happens. Yeah. There's chicken, broccoli, grape diet, keto diet you know, whatever, vegan diet, whatever it is, you're, you're trying to you lose weight and increase your performance. It will work because almost it's almost a psychological thing yeah. there going you're on. Telling yourself it's working, yeah. But, but, but getting back to this whole concept of sleep. So basically, if we look at the, the, the catabolism and anabolism, the breakdown and the buildup, right? During the day, if we think about it, during the day, we're designed to break down. That's what we do. We stress our bodies, we stress our mind, and we're breaking down. That means nighttime has to be that moment, that magic moment where we build up, mm. right? Nobody really knows why we need to sleep. I can lie down on my bed and rest and get rest without having to go to sleep. But why do I need to drop into that space in sleep? We don't really understand the reason why, because obviously, obviously we can get a certain amount of rest without doing that. Mm-hmm. But what happens when we do that? We start to release very interesting hormones, particularly for athletes. HGH, human growth hormone. When does human growth hormone come into, it is released in the body? Have you any idea? I've no idea actually, enlighten me. Nine, 10 o'clock in the evening. Uh, right? That is interesting. Because okay. I, I, I listened to someone recently and he didn't answer this. He told, he told it to everyone. Um, and this completely like um, coincides with your point there. He said that, the sleep you get before midnight is always the worst. And I was yes. like, what does that mean? That's, <laughs> that's your grandmother would have said that to you. Because yeah, that, yeah. was, that was something that, you know, the sleep before midnight is the most important sleep. That's what grandmothers used to say. And they knew these are wise women. They were, they were This is old tradition. So depending on the light, now 9, 10 o'clock in the evening depends on, or 11 o'clock in the evening, depends on whether we're on summertime or, or wintertime, daylight savings, right? But basically what happens as the melatonin starts to be released in the body. So melatonin is the thing that takes us to sleep. But it's also the biggest antioxidant that we we produce. It's a very, very powerful antioxidant. So you've got 
growth hormones, melatonin coming in around about 10 o'clock, let's say 10 o'clock at night, roughly give or take an hour or two. Now, the reason why it's induced then is because the light has gone, right? Because up until 150 years ago, before we had um, electric light, even when we had candlelight and gaslight, we go to sleep at about seven o'clock, eight o'clock, as soon as the night starts, the light starts going, right? So what would happen is at that point, as the light starts to go, your circadian rhythm and the pineal gland starts to send messages to the body to release these hormones for growth. Mm. They're the early, they're, they're the early home. They're the ones that come out in the evening. By the time it gets about three o'clock in the, in the morning, so you're going through the night now, midnight, and they're coming out to three o'clock, then, then, um, insulin and some of the stress hormones start to kick in. And that's why a lot of people will wake up around four o'clock in the, in, in the morning and wondering why they're waking up, particularly if you're stressed. I can't tell you the amount of people I work with, I work with a lot of people with stress and they're constantly waking up at four o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. Why am I waking up at four o'clock in the morning? Because this is when a lot of the stress hormones start coming in. So your insulin levels are very, very high in the morning. Mm. So you've got, you've got the insulin slope, you've got the, um, the, 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 not the insulin, sorry. Um, what am I talking about? Um, why, have I, why have I lost the, it's not insulin, it's a stress hormone. Um, are you talking about? Um, oh. cortisol, cortisol, sorry, cortisol. So many, things going, so, so many things going through my mind. Cortisol, <laughs> right? So cortisol, which is the main stress hormone, then starts kicking in and is very high in the morning. So what happens, you get, then you get something called a cortisol slope. So throughout the day, your cortisol levels start to come down. So again, this is all to do with breakdown. So you use that. You wouldn't get up out of bed if you didn't have cortisol in your, in your body. You just lie in bed. So cortisol is the thing like saying, oh, I've got to get up out of bed. So what you're finding is that there's a natural rhythm there. And all, all of our rhythms are going to be slightly different. And this is going back to Anthony Joshua. It's almost like you're trying to find your own rhythm. Because if you're, if you're thinking, right, well, I'll get up at four o'clock in the morning or I'll, I'll go to sleep past midnight or, or I'll, you know, be on my computer late at night when I'm getting blue light into the pineal gland, it all starts messing up that rhythm. Yeah. So what we're realizing now around what we call sleep hygiene or, you know, anything to do with, with sleep where we're trying to maximize sleep is that we want to try and be in that natural quarters, that natural um rhythm that we have, that circadian rhythm that, that takes us through the day and takes us through the night. And if you're riding that, it's probably, possibly one of the best things that you can do for just giving yourself the best, um, the best support, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you said that. I mean, one of the things that I'm actively trying to do myself at the moment is trying to come away from screens, mobile phones, laptops, yeah. you know, at least an hour before I go to sleep. Yeah. And not just before I go to sleep, but an hour as I wake up as well. That's one thing I'm really trying to implement. And, you know, I genuinely think it would help a lot of people. And I think Judd, what you just said there, I mean, that's a real education for me, for myself, and obviously for a lot of people listening. And it is, you know, it's crazy because if you think about what you just said there, you know, from the kind of, you know, years back when we didn't have screens, we didn't have that, you know, that light coming in, yeah. you know, that was when we just naturally shut down. Whereas yeah. now... You know, think about how many people watch TVs. I mean, one, one habit I do, I can put my hand on my heart and tell you, is I'll like have the, the TV on before I go to bed, yeah. which is one of the worst things you can do in a way. 
Well, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, you know, I mean, if you're watching something which is funny and you're enjoying yourself, I'm, I'm not against that, right? And, I'm, and having TVs out of the bedroom, it, it depends. The, the, the key, it's not the TV, because the TV contains the key, but it, the TV isn't, isn't the problem. The problem is the blue light, mm. right? It's in, in, our, in our light, we have a spectrum of, of different colors of light. But blue light particularly, this is why you get these blue light glasses or whatever it may be for people with computers. And this, we'll get back to that in a second, because if you can eliminate the blue light then you can watch TV quite safely because then you're not getting the blue light. The blue light hits the pineal gland, right? The pineal gland, even with your eyes closed, the blue light will go through and hit the pineal gland. Mm. So if the pineal gland gets the blue light in, at one o'clock in the morning, it's assuming that it's the middle of the day. Ah, that's interesting. Yeah. Right? And if it's the middle of the day, then it doesn't release the growth hormone mm. and the melatonin. Right? Because why? It would. Why would it? So it's messing up. This is what happens with jet lag, is that the, the, the light changes and you get jet lag. So your body's on a completely different time. So if you're constantly looking at computers with blue light, if you can eliminate the blue light, you're, you, 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 you know, you're onto something then. There's obviously certain things you can do now. Uh, you know, phones have elimination of blue light where it starts to go a little bit orange. You can get stuff for your, your, your computer. You can wear blue light blocking glasses. You know, all these things, it's the blue light. So blue light in the evening is something you don't want. Yeah. However, if you've got blackout blinds, you need blue light in the morning to get you going because you need the blue light to set you, set you up in the morning. So if you're wearing sunglasses or, or blackout blinds and you haven't got the blue light, you're again messing with the circadian rhythm. Yeah, you should say asleep, <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so the light, and this is the thing, obviously now we've got, we've got much more artificial light in our life and that kind of messes it up. And, and relatively, again, you know, relatively, it's not as much as social media, but relatively fairly new, you know. In, in our in our evolution so yeah, it's messing with us but we're understanding that now and mm -hmm. and athletes particularly athletes and also starting to work in it's interesting because you'll get your you'll first see it with elite athletes so your anthony joshua's your roger federer's and so on and then you'll see it with your kind of your rock star entrepreneurs like elon musk and you know you know you'll see that they'll start so it starts going from from high performance athletes to high performance business mm. Because they're thinking, right, okay, this is what it takes to be an athlete. And I know what it takes to run a business. It's the same thing. I'm putting my I'm performing at a very high level. I need to be working in the same way. Yeah. So then the trend goes over towards business. And then all of a sudden, you know, everybody out of Silicon Valley is now meditating and going to bed early and, you know, doing all the stuff and on a vegan diet or whatever it is. Blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. So you, you, see, you see it move across. Yeah. And then so it gets and it gets kind of watered down onto social media and then, then then it's like you know the next big thing and nobody really understands it so i think yeah, that's normally yeah. the way. if you look at if you look at what those elite athletes are doing they're not messing around yeah 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 you know, there's a lot of sports science involved the latest sports science involved in maintaining their longevity roger federer anthony joshua you know they they want to be they not only want to be at the top they want to be around at the top for a long time yeah, I mean, it's that's the thing with that. I mean, look at the, we talk about longevity and consistency. I mean, Roger Federer is ridiculous. I mean, he kind of looked yeah. like he was going out the game. Yeah. Back in, I mean, even Ronaldo and Messi, yeah. Ronaldo is just a 
a physical freak. I mean, he's just. It, 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 is, it is. It is. It is ridiculous. It is. It is. It's. It's mind blowing what these guys are able to achieve, not only at a high level and be the best in the world, but be the best in the world for a long period of time. Yeah. So how are they? And I mean, that that's when it starts to me going, wow, that's really fascinating. What, what, what is it they're starting to do? Yeah, no, it is. It is I mean, sports science is just a it's a crazy world, really, isn't it? I mean, it's just when I mean, it's evolving all the whole time as well. You know, we're learning more and more and more about about yeah. with sports science. So it's a constantly evolving thing. Um, yeah. I think so, this is where it comes. I mean, you kind of touch upon it there is this is where there's that kind of disconnect in a way, because you mentioned it kind of goes from the Elon Musk, it goes from the anti Joshua, it goes from those people. And then it kind of filters down into kind of social media. Yeah. What kind of happens in social media is people take that information and they make it their own. Yeah, right. And some of that's kind of, you know, yeah. great. Yeah. You know, it's great insight. They, just, they take it from it. And then some of it is complete rubbish. So yeah. the, the people that are, you know, spreading the rubbish that then brainwashes a whole new generation of people. They then, it's like a virus, you know. Look, we like we. I don't want to go too much into viruses because obviously, <laughs> no, exactly. but you know, it's like a virus because, and that's why I'd probably do what I do now. So I can't be annoyed about things like that because I kind of do what I do now because people have been told the wrong information, and then they've lived their life based on that wrong information. They haven't got the results they wanted because they're following the wrong thing. <laughs> so it's kind of I wouldn't obviously do the job I am, and I hear it all the time. And this is the thing; it's. Not to go on a different different subject, but you have people that claim to be professional, they do a qualification and and you know, I've seen it in my environment working as a personal trainer. And some of the advice I heard the personal trainer say, and it wasn't my job to obviously tell the personal trainer because that's yeah. not their education, but you know, one of the personal trainers said to someone, Oh, you shouldn't have protein shakes um if you're not exercising because it's gonna turn to fat. Right. I was like, yeah. what the hell does that even mean? What's so you just don't eat? So if you don't need, <laughs> you're talking about our recovery. It's like, well, I know, what I know. What the is that? I mean, but people believe yeah. that. People will yeah. believe that because it's coming from someone who's qualified. And look, a qualification at the end of the day is just generally, I don't speak for all the qualifications out there, but it generally is just reprocessing information. Like you're being told what to do and yeah. what to say. And then you're basically just saying it. It's not like you're doing anything. You're not yeah. doing your own thing. And they're saying, oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's good. You can do that. It's basically just reprocessing information. So when you have that in this society, it's just going to continually brainwash people because people have been told all these facts and all this information. And it's just completely doing the opposite to what it should be doing. Yeah. Well, I think my, my job in many ways, um, you know, go beyond the qualification because, you know, as you said, it's just kind of regurgitating facts and information. I think that what makes a great teacher or coach is something obviously beyond just that. Yeah. I think there has to be a level of care. I mean, it always comes back to me about care. Mm. And so, you know, to care, to understand what, you know, what, what sources are you going to, you know, the internet is great. There's a lot of, there's a lot of garbage out there on it and there's a lot of garbage out on social media, but you know, it's all about the source. There's great information out there, obviously, on on, on the internet. Yeah, you, you just got to be, you just got to really kind of be careful where you're, you're getting your information from. Yeah, you know, I won't get it from QAnon or whatever. You know, all of this kind of information that goes on. It's just, it's just insane what's happening right now. Yeah, we're, we're, we're because the thing is, if we don't understand, if we're not really quant quantifying what good information is or what is an objective truth. 
because there's a real objective truth. This is the thing. Everybody can have an opinion, but there is an objective truth. And if we don't establish a great, an objective truth, then anything is up for grabs. Anything yeah. is possible. It's not probable, but it's possible. You know? yeah. So then people start going, oh, well, I've got my, my opinion. I'm entitled to my opinion. And you are entitled to your opinion, but it doesn't make it right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's the thing that I think is a an interesting one because you do notice with this industry that there are a lot of like egos. There are a lot of people who think their opinion is golden and that no one else has an opinion. Yeah, and I just there's there's always a bit of a language barrier. I find with this. I think it's more just people who, you know, some people get really kind of take it really personally. You know, yeah. I, I'm I'm I've, I've got to be careful the way this. I'm not. You know, for example, the keto diet, you know, the reason why I'm not a big fan of it isn't because people doing it and they get results from it, you know, because mm. people will do it and people might enjoy doing it and they might carry on doing it. So the thing I always question is the reason why they're doing it. So what I mean by that is, say, if you get someone who's doing the keto diet, you say, why are you doing the keto diet? And they say, oh, it's the only way to lose weight. So I want to know where that information's come from. I want to know why do you feel that's the only way you can lose weight? And, you know, if you're not really enjoying it you're not really kind of finding yourself feeling the benefits from well, why, are you, why are you still doing it so then it becomes a forced thing then it becomes a fact a case of oh i need to do this i need you know i not a case of i want to do it it's i'm forcing myself to do it. i need to do it and it's like well you know just look at the facts here you know why do you feel like you know you have to do that to yourself you don't have to punish yourself yeah you have to find a way that works for you that you can actually enjoy and actually maintain yeah. If, you're, if you're just constantly every day waking up thinking, oh god here we go again i'm like you know i can't eat that i can't eat this it's like yeah i'm sure you're going to get results you know in terms of aesthetics but you're just going to be miserable you know what i mean it's like you know you can if you're just judging it solely on just what it does for you in terms of aesthetics what is it doing for you mentally what is it doing for you psychologically you know it's not really going to do you the world of good and this is why i, I don't like you know competing in like bodybuilding anymore to be honest because People look at you as in, oh, I bet you're in you know, great shape, you know, all this sort of stuff. I'm sure physically, yes. Mentally, hell no. Mentally, you're putting the worst place you can possibly be. <laughs> so it's like, that's well, what... It's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, the, the whole concept of, say, something like bodybuilding or even sports. You know that sports people are not long-lived. No, I'm not surprised. Their, 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 their bodies, I mean, cyclists especially. This is, this, is, this is it. This is this is the thing because you're obviously putting, this goes almost back to, you know, how much are we able to build up? Because if you're just constantly breaking down the whole time. Sports people are not long-lived. They, they, on, on average, they, they, they live shorter lives, lifespan than, than the average person. So, you know. Well, um, I thought of a name there, just to, sorry to cut you off, Aaron. Yeah. I thought of a name when you said that. And you probably know a bit more than me about this. I mean, obviously, I saw him growing up and Bruce Lee. Yes. Is he a victim of that? Or do you feel this thing more to it? It's a bit of an off-topic question, but... Well, you know, I'm a huge fan of Bruce Lee. I'm a huge fan of Bruce Lee and particularly his philosophy as well. I mean, I love what he did on screen. I, and I grew up in that era of, of him. And, um, you know, his, his, as far as his death, you mean, and, and, his, and what happened to him, he died at a young age. Very so, young. you know, yeah. Uh, I, I think that, you know, Bruce Lee had any, one, that, as I said, what I love about Bruce Lee is his philosophy. Yeah. And his philosophy was 
very, very, very cool and very much in, in line with, with, with what, what I believe in. As a philosopher, he was, he was amazing. So mm. I, I don't, I think he was, he was finding balance, you know, and he would, he would often, you know, there, there's, it's something about Bruce Lee where, where he's, it's almost comes into meditation. A lot, of, a lot of his philosophy, because, you know, um, with the style of Kung Fu that he did, it was based, it was from, uh, it was from, uh, it was taught to women. Mm. So it was a softer style. It was the women that were left in the villages. So it was, it was, uh, it was coming from a very soft place. It wasn't an aggressive place. Right. So a lot of his stuff was very, very soft and fluid. He took, be like water, my friend, he would say. Oh, you know, Yeah. Which is an interesting, you know, be like, well, oh yeah, that sounds good. No, no, what does it mean to be like water? You know, that's softness, but water's so powerful because mm -hmm. water breaks down rock. You know, all the rocks in the world, you know, and you, you've got to look at the cliffs yeah. and you, it's all water that's broken it down. Yeah. So you've got that power, it's like bamboo. Bamboo is stronger than steel, but bamboo's got that element of movement. So. You know, in those Eastern philosophies where, where it starts to get into the softness rather than the, you know, the, the, the yin, the, the very kind of strong masculine kind of energy that, that we kind of have in our society, which is often about breaking down. Mm. You know, the softness, the feminine is more about nurturing. You know, in Eastern philosophy, it's, it's, it's the nurturing aspect. It's almost the meditative aspect of it. So I think for him, he kind of, you know, around his death, I don't know. I mean, there's obviously nobody really, really knows. Because um, that's what a lot of the people I hear, a lot of the opinions I get. I mean, you know, my dad was a big fan, for example, and he said he was just in such physical... I mean, I don't know how true this rumour is, but the rumour I always hear is he was in such, you know, peak condition, like just, you know, had very low levels of body fat. He was ripped. He was so strong. And physically, he was obviously in fantastic shape as well. Like, you know, cardiovascular, for example, you know, I'm sure he was a very fit person. And a lot of people think he he died because he took aspirin and his body was just so physically fit. It just couldn't handle the aspirin. And he just said, yeah, that's just a rumor. I don't know about that. But I mean, that's the thing. If you look at him, he, he, he was the archetypal man. Mm. He, you know, I mean, growing up and I mean, I was born in the 50s. So by the time Bruce Lee was coming around in the 70s, I was a, I was a teenager. Mm. So for me, he was like God, God, right? And I was going to all of his movies. So, but but when when you and, and but when you see him and when you get this is why the philosophy is so interesting. And when you start to read some of the philosophy of his, it's so soft. Mm. You're like, oh my God, this guy is completely different, almost different. He wasn't this kind of, mm, you yeah, know, this, yeah. and yeah, he had that. There's there's a book called the the Tao Te Ching, Tao Taoism. Is, is an Eastern philosophy. And he wasn't necessarily a Taoist, but I think there was an element of Taoism in there. It says in the Tao, it says, know the masculine, but go with the feminine. To go with the way. So this is, this is you know, rather than Confucius, which was more kind of masculine, Taoism yeah. uh, was almost the opposite. It was like to go with. Mm. And for me, that's been a big teacher for me because I, I, I you know, I, love, I do martial arts. And, and, you know, and I train quite physically hard, but I, I, I need to have the, the nurturing aspect. When you say feminine, everybody goes, man, woman. No, it's not that. Mm. It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the rest and restoration. 
has become such a key part and, and, and an interesting part for me because I, I never I, I never I never thought about it much mm. when I started you, getting... you, don't, you don't normally think about those things until it kind of happens you don't think about rest until you need rest it's like you know you'd be burnt out and all of a sudden well hang on a minute I haven't done enough rest yet exactly you, you don't think about it until it comes along and whacks you upside the head and you're like my god what am I going to do with my life yeah, no, it's you true. Know, I, I've had it. So burnout. I mean, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about burnout. I mean, what, what is burnout? Hmm. I mean, for me, as I said, this is why I said that, because I, my first kind of experience of, was with burnout was when about three years ago, I, you know, I, was, I set myself this target. I was like, right, I'm going to, you know, four weeks, I'm going to cut sugar out completely. I want to get my body completely ripped. I want to be better than what I was when I was competing. And I, so my, my days were generally this, I'd get up, I'd do some kind of cardio, whether it be cycling, whether it be running. Uh, then I'd come home and have um, like a small portion of oats with like a protein shake or something like that. And then I would cycle to work. So that was yeah. when I was at the Riverside. Cycle to work. I, I didn't really consider that cycling as any type of exercise, even though it was. Then I would obviously get to work. Sometimes I'll train in the morning, so I'll get to work, train again, and then I'll do my work and then train again in the afternoon. And then I'll yeah. cycle home. All of this when I was eating very little calories. My um, yeah. diet was very restricted. I was having literally, you know, ch chicken, uh, quinoa, plenty of green vegetables. And, you know, I could live with it. You know, I was fine. And then gets to about four weeks. I, I realized by about the fourth week, actually, I was so moody. I was, yeah. my temper was all over the place. I snapped at a few people, even though they didn't even, I didn't, no, there was no need for me to snap at them. <laughs> and, you know, it got to a point, and then I, I went on a holiday actually, and I just found my body, my body was just like craving all sorts of food. Like I was just like, oh, give me that, give me that. And it was like, I kind of broke the kind of the cycle I was on. And I just remember, I remember getting home and normally after holiday, you feel, you're supposed to be quite refreshed. You know, you've had a bit of sun. And I was just exhausted. My body was just like, what the hell have you done to me? And it took me about four months to fully recover from that. You know, because that, that kind of intense training, that load, you know, that restriction. And it took me about four months to fully recover and actually be able to go to the gym and get a good workout done. You know, yeah. so that, that was my experience. And I didn't realize, obviously, I was so naive to that kind of burnout. Um, yeah. do, you, I mean, do you think that that's quite common as well? 100%, 100%. I think a lot of people do. I mean, this is why people start routines. They start, you know, the keto. I don't want to keep throwing keto under the bus, but, you yeah. know, they start things like that. Yeah. They'll try and exercise doing it, you know, not giving their body the, the nutrients it needs to kind of do that exercise or the rest, as we were saying earlier. Mm. And then they'll get about three to four weeks down the line. And then they just wonder why the hell it keeps going wrong. It's like, you okay. know. Let's, let's unpack that a bit because yeah. this, is, this, is, this, is, this is the area that I work in. So you can think of two forms of energy within the body. One comes from the thyroid. And yeah. the thyroid produces energy in the body and it's like putting a, a log on the fire, right? It's gonna last a long time. It's gonna give you that, that kind of constant level of, of energy or heat. And then there's adrenal energy, right? And adrenal energy is like putting a piece sheet of paper on the fire. <laughs> it blow, blows up, flares up, but then burns very, very quickly and dies down. And with the adrenal energy, obviously it was there for survival. We needed it because when we needed to survive, we needed that burst of energy and we needed to get out of, out of, out of that dangerous situation. It wasn't meant to be long lasting. 
Right? Now, when we put the body under stress, um, you obviously burn adrenal energy, but you've got to understand that what stress involves is that there's physiological stress, there's psychological stress, and there's environmental stress. So physiological stress is, is training. You mm. train your body, you're gonna put it under stress, which is a good thing because we know we need to challenge it. But then it's always about the, it's always about the amount, mm. right? Because obviously too much will just burn, you know, you'll fill that bucket up really, really quickly, that stress bucket, and you'll start using that adrenal energy. However, if you've got, if you're training, even at a moderate level, if you're training and you've got psychological stress, you're going to release the same hormones, the same cortisol, the same adrenal hormones in the body. It doesn't make a distinction between psychological and physiological stress. It's like a bucket that, you know, you've got your physiological stress going in there, you've got your psychological stress in there, and all of a sudden it's starting to overflow. Then you've got environmental stress as well. So environmental stress can be anything. It can be like um, chemicals in your environment from, from, from cleansers, cleaning liquids or whatever it may be. It could be somebody having a party next door and not allowing you to sleep, whatever it may be. So you've got all of these stresses coming into your life. And what happens if we're not careful in balancing these out, what happens is the adrenals start taking over from the thyroid because now you're burning on, you're, you're living on stress energy. Yeah. Adrenal energy. And that's what that's I mean, what you're describing was exactly that. Every which way you were turning, your adrenals were going, I'll give you energy. I'll give you energy. So what does your thyroid do? Your thyroid goes, well, OK, well, you don't need me anymore. Yeah. So then the thyroid becomes sluggish. But the thing is, with the adrenals is that it stops at some point because it's got it's got no reserve. It's only supposed to give you energy for a short period of time. So it goes whack and and closes down. So now you've got no energy coming from the adrenals and you've got no energy coming from the thyroid, mm. right? Yes. Plus, when you're releasing from, from the adrenals, from the adrenal glands, you're also releasing growth hormone and other hormones as well. And they shut down as well. Your body's just thinking, I've had enough of this. <laughs> so it's gone bang. So you've got nowhere to, you've got nowhere to go because everything's starting to close, close down. And as you said, it takes a long time to start to get, to get back up and, get, and rebalance the body, get the thyroid going again, get the adrenals to calm down. Because now the body is programmed and just like, I need, where's that energy? You know, where's that adrenal energy? I, I need that adrenal energy. I get a, an, an adrenaline junkie. Mm. Yeah, no, it's my, life, my, own, my life only feels good when I've got adrenaline pumping through me. Mm. Right? It's, uh, I mean, uh, it kind of links. It's so interesting you said that. And I'm not, you know, nowhere near as educated in that at all. However, you know, it's really fascinating because, you know, there's this thing that's talked about often um, adrenal fatigue. And yeah. people were saying it's a very kind of unknown area. Yeah. Well, this, that's exactly what it is adrenal fatigue. This is, this is exactly what I've described because the adrenals cannot do any more. They're only supposed to go for a short period of time and you're asking them to give you everything. Mm. So they get whacked. Yeah. So whacking your adrenals, adrenal fatigue, burnout, it's all basically the same, same thing. You've just got it, nothing left. I mean, that's it's the fascinating thing about that is I really suffered like a, a bout of kind of depression after that period. You know, I, yeah. I and a lot of it was... Uh, you know, and it was interesting you said about the psychological and the physiological um, aspects because a lot of that was psychological. Because, and I speak for I think a lot of people when I say this, and I went for this really badly, is when you're in that condition, you know, your your head's 
massive because you think, oh, look at the, I've got, you know, I'm shredded, I've got six pack, I've got this, look, you know, I look great. Yeah. yeah. And as soon as your body, because that's the thing, like you can only really make, if you're doing it naturally, yeah. you can only maintain that low, low level of body fat and that condition for a short period of time. Absolutely. And as soon as you come away from that, psychologically, it can be a killer because you're kind of losing yourself. When you're in that condition, that short period of time when you're on the top of the world, you've got this six pack, you're ripped. People are saying, oh, bloody hell, you're looking great. Well, like, obviously, it get, it, everyone likes that. You know, everyone likes that compliment. Everyone likes that kind of people telling you, you look great and all this. Yeah. But when you're in that position, that small period of time, you're on top of the world. As soon as you come away from it, you're a failure, you're a letdown. Yeah. And it can be really crushing. And people... Yeah, want- you, put your la- you, put, you climb the ladder to success and you realise the ladder's on the wrong wall. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I was talking about before. And the yes. thing is there, you've you got to understand that the hormone balance within the body is so fine. Mm. It's so finely balanced that when you mess around with the hormones, it just throws everything out of whack. Mm. So you just, you're all over. I mean, you're literally, you, you've got no, you've got no center and you're just scrambling around for something to hang on to physically and mentally. Yeah. Everything that you built, built your, you kind of, you know, everything you've built your kind of self-esteem around has just crumbled because yeah. you're like, what happened? The thing that I really was giving me everything and that has now completely destroyed me. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because when you get into that zone and this is another reason why I would never openly recommend someone to compete in bodybuilding or any type of physique competition is because you spend so much emphasis in your time, your energy, everything goes into that. And I remember around that point, and when I was competing as well, the whole topic in my head was all about, you know, relevant to that. It was tiny detail. So, oh, his biceps aren't quite as big as mine. Oh, his biceps are a bit bigger than mine. Little things like that. And they mean nothing to me now. I can honestly say that. Well, well you're, you change your expectations. Yeah, exactly. Right? And I don't... It's back to expectation. And I'm not in that circle. I think this is the thing. When you're in that circle where people are all like, like-minded, they're all going for the same thing. Yeah. You know, you think it's the norm because you yeah. don't know any different. You know, you're in, in that environment where, again. Yeah, yeah, it's the macro. People, everyone was talking about macros. Everyone was, oh, what's your macros? How much protein you have in? Yeah, and you kind of step away from it. And you're thinking, I spent about three months of my life just discussing what protein I get. <laughs> it's just like, and you know more than anyone. That's just a small part of the whole journey. Like, you know, yeah, nutrition is an important part of getting results, but. There's such a bigger picture, you know, mindset, you know, your mentality, everything like that. Is, and it's, you know, even what you mentioned there about the balance of hormones, they all play such an important part of the overall outcome of, you know, your fitness journey, your health journey. But when you get so sucked into it, it becomes unhealthy. You know, I wasn't healthy back then. Yeah, I may have looked good, yeah. but I was not healthy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So this is why well, I don't I like it. What, what health is, I mean, you know, is it, does it give you a beach body? Is that healthy? Or, you know, or is health on, a, on, another, on another level? Mm. Now that may be part of it. I think it's possible to do all of that, all of what you just said, possible to balance that out with the rest and restoration. Because if you go back to the whole concept of, of again, using all the adrenal energy the whole time, and putting your body in that state, that's fine if you're really able to balance that out. Stress isn't a bad thing. You know, there's, there's all of these articles about, you know, how to live a stress-free life and all that. You don't want to live a stress-free life. Stress-free life is boring. 
right? But what you don't want is, con is this chronic stress. Yeah. Physical, psychological, or environmental, right? You're constantly burning that adrenal energy, constantly. Well, you want it to be intermittent. Mm. But if you can, if you can break it up, if you can find ways to break it up, then you can, then you've got something which is sustainable. Yeah. Now, you're an, ex an extreme example, right? You put yourself under a lot of pressure. Could you do it in that situation? Yes, quite possibly. Did Arnie do it? Are there certain people, Lou Ferrino, whatever, all the old guys that did, you know, more kind of natural ways? Maybe they kind of balanced it out. I don't know, right? It's quite hard when you're putting your body under that pressure. But if you think a normal person, Joe Average, I don't know who that might be, right? Never come across Joe Average, but let's say Joe Average, right? That's training three or four times a week. He's got a high stressful life, you know, maybe his, his job's high pressured, maybe his, his relationships aren't working out the way that he, he wants, you know, whatever it is, you, 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 you name it, right? And then also the environment that he lives in is toxic for some reason. Maybe he's drinking alcohol, maybe he's smoking, all of this stress going in. And, unless, and that's just an average person. You know, forget extreme examples like, you know, bodybuilders or high-performing high athletes, just average people. The amount of stress that we're under, and we don't even realize it. Yeah. Well, the bar is so high now, you know, social media. Yeah, we'll add social media in there as well, as well as the relationship and the job and the alcohol and the cigarette. But, you know, all of the bar is so high now mm. that we, don't, we think that's normal. No. And then we go out and train. And then we, and then we break down in the same way. Mm. People are doing, as like you said, when I, when I asked you, do, I, do you know many people that you said, yeah, a lot of people are like that. Mm. So... You know, for me, it's it's it, it really starting to, you know, we need to be starting to think about this. We've, we've got to, because it, when you're young, it's fine. You can get away with it. But the older you start getting, you've, you've got to make those transitions. Remember what I was saying about what you need in your 20s isn't what you need in your 30s and what you need in your 40s is, is different. You know, you go, we've got to understand that there are going to be those changes. And if yeah. you just ignore it, guarantee you're going to break down mentally or physically yeah. joint joints will blow yeah joints will blow or or something will snap mentally you know so um yeah that's where i mean you know going back to what we were talking about at the beginning what how i got into this because i found this side of it so fascinating yeah no it is it is a really fascinating thing i think it's it's as as i said it's what i'm fascinated with is because it's such a you know when we think about fitness we think about health um you know we 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 often just think about the image we often think oh this person looks like this you know oh this diet sounds great it, you know we don't ever you know this this is something we don't talk about and it is so so important in getting the results and this is why people don't get results because there's all this thing going on instagrammable i can't put it on instagram yeah <laughs> said you know it's not going to get many people on instagram <laughs> but that's the thing it's it's not a very marketable topic no, it's, it's such an important topic and it should be talked about because all these things especially at the moment are really coming to the surface how many people out there at the moment during this time where it's lockdown where people are restricted from their you know living their everyday lives how many people are really struggling with anxiety how many people are struggling with low mood and you know why is it suddenly taking for this time for us to start talking about these things more you know like people okay. are now saying oh yeah you want to get out and exercise it's gonna make you feel better where was this topic a couple of years ago? Yeah. 
Why would we talk about Chinese I've been teaching meditation for over 20 years. As I, as I said, for me, it became an important part of, of my practice and my, my, health, my health regime. 20 years ago, two or three people used to turn, turn up to a class, right? Sandals, brown rice, you know, <laughs> hippies, right? Now, it's all young people. I mean, yeah. you know, I, get, I get a mixture of people, but what the difference is, is that I'm getting people in their 20s, millennials, you know, Gen Zs coming in and like, this is what I need. Mm. And it's striking to me to see how it's changed over the years and how, how the people that are coming to something like meditation, you know, again, you know, athletes talk about it. You know, you to, with the tennis players now, you see them meditating between sets. <laughs> they're talking, they, they, they openly talk about it. They'll put a towel over their head and they'll go into a meditation. Yeah. Between sets. Elon Musk, all again, all those guys, all those entrepreneurs, they're always talking about meditation. Yeah, no, it's a big part of the business culture now. It's big now. It's big. And then subsequently now, but again, it's not Instagrammable. I can't put a, a, a picture up on Instagram of me meditating and get, you know, 5,000 likes. <laughs> you know? But it's seeping, it's seeping I, in there. You know what? It's funny you say that. I generally think you would, actually, <laughs> in a way, because people... I'll, are, I'll, I'll, with your, I'll, I'll join I'll, Instagram and see what happens. <laughs> well, we'll test that philosophy out. I generally think you'd get a lot more now because it seems to be a lot more like, you know, athletes are starting to do it more now. As you yeah. said, business people, you know, business, you know, whatever you want to call them, you know, ultras, CEOs, yeah. they all have what's called a morning formula. And yeah. literally about 95, well, I'd say probably 99% of the morning formulas does have some... Meditation is always in there, yeah. Absolutely. Or breathing, or breathing kind of exercise. Absolutely. Breath, is, breath work is the new meditation. Yeah, and that's the yeah. thing. And it's and do you know why it's suddenly become popular? Because well, I think meditation, you know, probably when you started out, Howard, you know, 15, 20 years ago, people saw it as, oh, it's, it takes about two hours. It's a long, you know, you spend, spend a lot of time. But yeah, now people are kind of manipulating it. So they, look, it's only 10 minutes yeah. of your morning. Well, it becomes a hack. You know, this is this is one of the things that, I, that I've tried to do as well. You know, it, it is a very useful hack because you're literally hacking into the central nervous system. You know, all the stuff that we were talking about uh, with stress, it's involuntary. Mm. You know, it's an involuntary response. You've got, you've got voluntary and involuntary parts of the central nervous system. So any, my heartbeat's involuntary, the stress is involuntary. And in saying that, or not autonomic, in saying that, it implies that you have no control over it. Mm. But we do. So we can hack into the central nervous system and we can change, we can literally perform chemistry. It's biochemistry that we're performing. You're changing the, the hormones within the body from, from stress hormones to growth hormones. Yeah. You know, and, and it is, it, it's, it, it has, and you're, you're absolutely right. And, and that's one of the things that I'm really fascinated about is giving people, taking away all the mysticism. You don't have to go to India and sit in ashrams like I did. I loved it, by the way, right? I had vegetarian food out of a pot and it was tasting incredible. I loved all that. But you don't have to do all that. Yeah. What you do, you need to just understand the kind of the basic concept. For me, it's about moving and again back to Bruce Lee. Feel, don't think. Yeah. A lot of uh, there's a great part line in his in in his in one of the movies. I can't remember. Enter the Dragon or one of he's talking. He said, "Feel, don't think." Right. When he said, "You think too much." Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
and that's and that's the thing you move into the body you move into the body without judgment so you're curious about the breath moving within the body I, i use the breath i use the body and i use time i use those three elements in themselves they're really great mentally each one of those things can change your mental state breath the body so feeling instead of thinking and time time is one of the greatest gifts that we can give ourselves time from any mental mental uh condition but when you add them together the breath the body and time boy is that powerful and it's a simple hack that you move into the body and you change the central nervous system and you, and, and you allow the body to come down into that restorative state yeah you know? yeah no it is, it is i mean i think this is the interesting thing and i think you know that meditation breath work you know a lot of people like you know just judging by the stigma that's attached to that you know it would often be as you said 20 years ago it's the you know the hippies the people that wear sandals they got long hair they, they'd say hey man it's that yeah. that's what the impression is but now that's kind of coming away from you know it's, it really is you know it's no, it's, it's so much the same as veganism like look at veganism like 10 years ago there was a perception of what people were like that do are vegans and that's yeah. changing so there is a lot happening that is benefiting that i mean i I really feel it's great. I mean, I think anything... We're learning all the time. You know, it's like when we're talking about sports science. I mean, you know, it's evolving the whole time and we're learning. We still don't understand the optimum diet. Mm. What's the optimal diet? We don't... You get two nutritionists or five nutritionists in a room. None of them will agree. No, exactly. <laughs> but we're but that's learning. That's what makes it hard for people. It really does because, exactly. you know, unless you kind of got your own you know approach to something or you've got your own you kind of take bits from here and there i mean i, I often do that you know i, I found that a very hard trait because i always wanted to do one thing and not go into others but yeah in some ways it's like you know you go and get a pick and mix from the sweet shop you take yeah. it from everywhere you know you want to take oh that's a really good point i'm gonna take that but, but the thing point. is we are evolving it it's it's an ongoing process we're learning more and more and there's so much more to discover i mean we're only uh, in my mind i mean as far as our kind of optimal performance mentally and physically because i guess that's kind of what we're looking towards whether you're a businessman or whether you're an athlete or whatever it is then you know we're just scratching the surface yeah we're, i think a lot of it's about being i mean i'm one thing i i do struggle with is i can be you know not it's not from a bad place and i i find it hard sometimes turning people's advice down but you know i think being receptive is so important you know what i'm I can be quite a stubborn person. I don't like taking on new information. Right. And I obviously, I don't think I'm just speaking for myself. I think a lot of people are very similar. And I'm, that is one thing that I'm working on myself at the moment is being more receptive. Like, you know, when I'm speaking to you, for example, about meditation, breath work, for years <laughs> now, I'm thinking, Howard, what are you talking yeah, about? Right. All right. I say about it is picking up a, a dumbbell and doing bicep curls. Because yeah. it's only because you know me anyway. It's like, you know, you know, you know what else I do. Because you, <laughs> you know, you, you've seen me train and you've seen me yeah. do other stuff. It's like, well, I'm not that, that woo-woo yeah. hippie. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's often ignorance that kind of prevents you from getting to really feel the benefit, benefits of these things. I mean, I mean, you know, if you can just allow yourself to be a bit more receptive, you know, if you're like sat there right now and you're like a, a bodybuilder who all he thinks about is what what he's bicep curling, what he's eating for breakfast, how much protein he's getting, you know, really start incorporating this holistic side of things as well. Because I, I, I generally do think it's going to really provide so much more benefits from rather than just focus on the training and nutrition. And because there's so much more to it. And this is, you know, this is the thing. I mean, I often, when I was a personal trainer, I'd often tell people, you know, it's, it's 70% nutrition, it's 30% training. Yeah. Whereas now my whole thing is 
it's about 60% mindset, probably about 30% of what you put in your body and 10% training. And that probably will change over the next 10 years as well. So that's just what I'm, where I'm at the moment. But it's just amazing how you were saying there, how things change and how things develop and how you can, you know, continue like taking on these new things and learning these new things. It is crazy. And it is, it's, it's, you know, it's great in a way. I think you just got to really admire that. And it's a big subject and hopefully we covered enough of it. To make we did. Well, we'll, <laughs> we'll wrap it up. We've been going on for quite a while, so we'll wrap it up. I know, that's, that's, as I said, it's a big one. So we, we did all right. We cut it short. <laughs> <laughs> before we go, though, before we yeah. go, Howard, I'm going to give you just uh, a couple of minutes to whatever you want to talk about. So it's the rant of the week. What is the one thing that's really doing your head at the moment that you want to kind of let loose and have a bit of a rant? Oh, man. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> I guess, you know what? I kind of touched on it. It's really, really bugging me. Conspiracy theories. Oh, uh, okay. I just, there's just so much conspiracy theories going on right now. And I can understand why, but we're kind of losing it. Mm. we're fucking losing it we're getting into the rabbit holes and it's just like there's no there's no truth anymore and when there's no truth if we lose an objective truth then anything becomes possible mm. you know donald trump is a time traveler i mean i've heard like the weirdest weirdest stuff <laughs> is that from the simpsons is it a time traveler because he was, it was in the, in the i mean you know you start getting into i mean look you know, and then it's like, yeah, anything's possible, but it's not probable. So much of all the stuff that we believe, you know, we're being fed on social media. I'm sorry again, it's not, you know, <laughs> and I'm not saying the press is any better or anything like this, but you know, we got, and that's my, and that's my thing at the moment. It's, I just, I just feel we got to go, whoa, okay, let's just take a breath here. Mm. Maybe there are elements of truth within some of the stuff. Maybe he is a bit of a time traveler, <laughs> but you know. But but let's take a step back and let's all agree on almost a common knowledge based around. And I and I'm sorry to say, that, based around what we were talking about. And a lot of it is scientific. It's like okay, let's let's come to something that's an objective truth we can all agree on, and then start to move from there. So anyway. I'm well, sure a lot time of time traveling. Time traveling. If time traveling's happened then it's already happened, is all I said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, a lot of people might not agree with me, but that, that's, that's my thing at the moment. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just so, so, I'm, I feel sorry for us right now, actually. <laughs> well, it must be. I mean, the problem is, I mean, I was saying to people earlier, like, you know, a lot of people, I, I did a poll of my um, Facebook group, um, and I put, what are you struggling with? And it was mindset, training, or um, nutrition. Yeah. And someone added in laziness, and then people voted for laziness. Right. Like laziness, like. So I basically went on. I, I gave him a bit of a tough love. I just thought, if you're being lazy, you're making a choice to be lazy. If you're actively saying that you're lazy, then you're then you're what I think of anyway. And I don't like the, to assume anything, but I can be lazy. We can all be lazy. And it's sometimes it's a case of you're sat down or you wake up in the morning, you might not really feel like doing anything. You're making a conscious choice, a conscious, you know, you're deciding, you know what, I'm going to get up, I'm going to get outside, I'm going to go for a walk, get my body moving, get my mind moving. Or you can just stay where you're comfortable. I think, you know what, I'm just not doing anything today. And yeah. if you make that choice over and over again, it's going to become a habit. You make laziness a habit. 
Yeah, I, I, I haven't a comment about that. And I think your yeah. tough love is good. I think we need a bit of tough love, particularly from you. Um, yeah. but I don't think it's laziness. I think there's no motivation. And that's the problem through lockdown. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree very that. hard to be motivated. Yeah. Again, I'm around a lot of athletes. You know, as an athlete, whoa, man, what, where, no competition. Mm. Nothing, there's no competition. Olympics may not even happen. Where, where does that leave you? You know, people going to work. It's just, just no motive. What am I getting up in the morning for? I may as well say yeah, my opinion. Yeah. I did that, say, that's one thing. I did show some empathy as well. I didn't just, yeah. it wasn't just oh, all right. Love. So your tough love's good. <laughs> yeah. your, tough love's, your tough love is, you know. My uh, tough love is more, you know, look, a lot of people, and this is the thing I keep getting for people is, oh, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to do anything. So the gyms are shut, for example. Yeah. And my first reaction to that was, well, hang on a minute. You know, I don't ever remember you being a member of gym. <laughs> So you're using the fact that gyms aren't open as an excuse, but when the gyms were open, you didn't even go. <laughs> so you see what I mean? It's like people will pick out excuses. Yeah. And for me, a lot of the people that were saying about laziness, this just felt like another one of those. And I'm sure there is some deeper, you know, with some people, but for the general yeah. crowd, yeah, just felt like that. And I just thought, you know what? No, like I need to address these people because you know you don't have to have a gym to be healthy or be fit. Absolutely. And we're going that right. is, that is the icing on the cake. Having that gym is the icing on the cake of being fit and healthy. That's there. Obviously, it's convenient. It's got the stuff you need to be healthy, to get stronger. But it's not the be or end all, you know. The other yeah. stuff you're doing outside the gym is going to contribute a lot more to the outcome of your health, your fitness. Um, no, just just to, 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 to oh, sorry, to just add something to, yeah. into that. You know, for me, I often break things down to the basic elements and I build people up from there. And breath is the basic element of movement. Uh, the next element of movement that I encourage people is walking. Yeah, and definitely. We've got an opportunity now, you know, walk, 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 walk. It's one of the best forms of exercise that there is for you. Oh, it's simple. I mean, what it's simple. Designed to do. One thing I said to someone, I'm not going to go on to much about this. One thing I said, and a lot of people will get in touch with me. They'll say, oh, I'm just so unhappy. I'm stressed out. I'm staying indoors. I don't want to go outside because I'm going to end up getting COVID. Yeah. And I always say this, and it, again, it is a little bit tough, love. It may become a course who's quite brutal. Look, if you're a vulnerable person, I completely understand. You know, you're not going to want to go, you know, going outside is going to be very, very tough because you don't want to be catching it. You, do, you know, you never know what could happen. Yeah. I completely understand that. However, if you're a young person and you're staying indoors just because you're thinking, oh, I don't want to go outside, I'm going to get COVID, you're probably going to do more damage to yourself by staying indoors and stressing out about it what I would say is get outside, go for a walk, you know, just get out. Don't even think it's about it. It's free. It's completely free. I mean, at the moment, they haven't charged, they're not taxing us on walking Most people, even with injury, you know, can get out and walk. Yeah. So recovering from COVID, long hauling, whatever it may be, you know, or, or just struggling mentally, you know, it is, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And it's yeah. what we're designed to do over running or lifting up a weight or anything. It's something the body is absolutely designed to do. You know? I mean, so, even if it's, I mean, you know, one thing I say now is, and I do it myself is if I'm going to go outside, I'll either listen to an audio book when I'm walking. Yeah. Or I will not have a phone. I will not take my headphones. So today, for example, I'll probably go out to walk with my dog. I'll probably leave my phone at home because I've been on my laptop all morning. So I want to escape 
any type of notification, any type of screen. And that has been massive for me. And that was a real change of kind of, because I was always so used to going out for walks or runs with my headphones and listening to music. But I think sometimes just getting outside and just leaving all that behind you and just, you know, hate to sound like a spiritualist, but enjoying the kind of outside, enjoying the kind of... there's, There's a quote that I use a lot. It's from Gandhi. It's a bit kind of corny coming from Gandhi, but it's a very powerful quote. He said, there's more to life than increasing its speed. Mm. slow it down yeah slow it down it's amazing that isn't it it's amazing how just slowing stuff down is such a a big thing you know just having them even with a conversation just slowing it down because when you're talking that's why i work with time as an element of what i work with as i said breath body and time time slow down you know it's powerful get out and walk breathe so um yeah sounds good with the dog (laughs) <laughs> always good you won't believe right. it is here, but yeah but Howard thank you so much for coming on um, I hope to have you again soon it's been great having you on and you know you're for great yeah, I knew you with the podcast man I'm you know I'm so happy that you're doing it and you, you, you're a natural so you know you do you're obviously doing a great job so any anything I can do to help and support you let me know I'm always there for you appreciate that I'll give you that 20 pound you know <laughs> no, I appreciate that very much Howard thank you so much and for all of you listening, thank you for listening, and I will speak to you all very soon. Take care and enjoy the rest of your week, your weekend. Thank you all so much for listening to that. I hope you enjoyed that. I know I did. Um, Howard is such a knowledgeable person, and he provides so much value in with everything he says, so I really hope you got that same value I did. But keep listening. Make sure you subscribe, and, you know, tell a mate about it as well. You know, why not? But speak to you all very soon. Take care of yourselves.